Good morning. And uh, before we get underway with the Word of God, I, just a little bit about a uh, couple of churches, a little church news, I'll say, from two local churches, but I'll say one's not local to us, but it is a local church. First, how many remember um, Hope Christian Church, Pastor uh, Abdal Bakhtar? Uh, I know many of you remember Pastor Abdal, and he reached out recently. He was contacted me. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Hope Church is an Arabic language church, and they're right here in Sterling Heights. Uh, many of you probably remember. For about a year and a half, they held services here uh, at Bethesda, and we had a couple of joint services, which were absolutely amazing. They were wonderful with the, the languages blending together just to worship God. The last service that we had with um, Pastor Avdal. He and I preached about heaven, and we preached from uh, Revelation, and Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 talks about heaven and everyone that's going to be in heaven, and you know, it's not everybody's going to look the same or sound the same. Heaven is going to be a countless multitude, it's described there in Revelation chapter 7, where uh, it's every people, it's every nation, it's every tribe, every language, it's across the board. There's no race uh, barred from heaven. There's nobody that the doors of heaven aren't open to. So it's going to be the true melting pot. We might say we're the melting pot, but heaven's going to be the true melting pot led by Jesus. It wasn't long after that joint service that uh, Pastor Abdal, he informed me because they've been looking for a permanent place to worship that uh, they were granted the use of a nearby church facility with the understanding that it would transfer to them uh, free and clear. And they, they were overjoyed. Unfortunately, soon after that, COVID came, and I'll just say things changed. And our friend, uh, Pastor Abdal and his church, because things changed, uh, they're in need of a new place. And it, things just, unfortunately, did not work out uh, they invested in, in that uh, facility, put a lot of uh, screens and painted, and I was there when they were doing some of that, visiting. Well, anyway, he reached out, and I just want you to know, we're considering helping him again. And uh, we have the opportunity to help our friends and our brothers in Christ, and I wanted you to be aware of it. Uh, so that's you know, one church near and dear to us. Another church that I just wanted to uh, touch on briefly was the church, uh, the Christian church in Estrada, Poland. And you know that many of you have supported that and their efforts to help the Ukrainian refugees that have just poured into Poland. Three million, three million it's up to people have come into Poland from Ukraine. And uh, I, I just feel like I have such a new friend in uh, Pastor Zbigniew Hoynatsky. And uh, he opened the doors of his church and he has over 200 refugees there. And, uh, you know, he didn't open his church just to another church, like we're being asked to do, but to a people, a people in need. They're fleeing from war. And uh, he still has uh, the, a couple hundred people there. He started a Ukrainian language service. And I talked with him last week on the phone, and he told me, um, you know, people all over Poland have opened their homes. And, you know, the Ukrainians and the Pol Polish people, um, 
there is this, this great relationship they have, but it wasn't always that way. There, there, it wasn't exactly peaceful at the end of World War II, and yet the Polish people have welcomed the Ukrainians that are fleeing, and it's a, a beautiful thing. You know, when people who look different and they sound different and they got different traditions and different, you know, customs, when they can come together, to me, it's just this picture of heaven on earth. It's a reminder of what Pastor Avdal and I preached on. Heaven on earth, the little, you know, people who just, doesn't matter. Somebody's different. They're loving them. And uh, I, I want you also to know that uh, Pastor Zbigniew, he invited me to go to Poland and uh, with Julie. So in two weeks, we're going to go to Poland. And uh, we're going to see all that's happening at his church. And we're just, we're looking forward to it. We're thrilled. We are, we want to go and, uh, and uh, help him with whatever they're doing. They're trying to teach the kids. It's mostly women and children there. And uh, he invited me to preach, which is amazing. So I'm really looking forward to uh, preaching in his church there, in the Christian church in Estrada. And uh, I don't know. I'm thinking, you know, I'm praying. Maybe I'll do a reprise of heaven on earth. I don't know, maybe it'll be a bit of uh, Revelation 7, 9. You know, seeing all these different people come together. I'd like to preach that. And you know, uh, I think we need to preach it. Because too often in our world. We see the opposite, don't we? You know, one person or a group of persons, they hate another person or they hate another group. Why? Because they were born in a different place or they look different or they sound different or they dress different. They have different customs, traditions. And so, hey, they, they're hated. And you know, that's just, it's an evil. It's not a reflection of heaven on earth. It's a reflection of hell on earth. It's evil. And we have seen it way, way too often. In the past week, or just a little bit over a week, we've seen this, and it's awful. A young man in New York, he's got evil intent. He drives 200 miles from his home to Buffalo to a predominantly black neighborhood. He shot 13 people, 11 African Americans, 10 people died. This kid put a document online a couple days before. It was May the 12th. Before he carried out this, this crime, this heinous crime, it was 180 pages. It, it, it's available online. I read some of it. Absolutely very disturbing. And there's just no doubt this kid was motivated by racial hatred. He planned his violence. He intended to harm people. And in particular, he, he intended to harm African-American people. That, that, was, that was a week ago, Saturday. And then the next day, Sunday, the very next day, I was home Sunday evening, last Sunday, just I perused the news, I sat down, and I see a story about another senseless act of violence. It's uh, a shooting in a Presbyterian church in Southern California, Laguna Woods. This shooter, though, he wasn't a kid. No, this is a 68-year-old man. But like the kid from New York, he planned what he was going to do. He drove 275 miles from Vegas to, uh, to Laguna Woods. He chose the church because its congregation were Taiwanese, and he is Chinese. According to the reports, this man had a deep hatred for the Taiwanese. 
So he entered the church, he locked the doors. So, so basically, trying to, nobody could get out. That was evidently his plan. If it weren't for a heroic doctor, who was the only one who perished, many more might have died. And, and these are just, they're evil acts. They are just evil. This was two evil men. And they were, they were different, yet they had similarities. One was young, one's old, one was European ancestry, another one's Asian ancestry, but they're both motivated the same thing, racial hatred. And what do we see from that? We see hate is no respecter of persons. It's not confined to one generation. It's not confined to one group of people, but it's evil. And, and in a word, it's sin. And sin is the disease that needs the cure. And there's only one cure. There's only one cure. You know I've said this. If you've been here for uh, the past several years, you know I've said it so many times. There's, the only cure is Jesus, Jesus Christ. You, you know that Jesus knew and he witnessed all kinds of racial discord and hate in his day, the day that he walked the earth? You know, there were the Roman occupiers uh, over his land. They were the overlords of the Jews. There was a great animosity. And within the region where Jesus lived, there was also uh, the Samaritans. Between the Jew and the Samaritan, no love lost. Mm -mm. Samaritans, they were at one time Jewish. But about 700 years before Christ, their region was conquered by the Assyrians the Assyrians, uh, they mixed with the, uh, the, the Jewish people that they had conquered. They colonized. They sent in different people that they had conquered from different nations. And uh, the Jewish people mixed with them. And they began to worship their gods. And so the Samaritans were viewed by the Jews as half-breeds and inferior and idolaters. And there was this animus and this hatred that that grew between these two groups. And it was an animus and a hatred uh, that was well known in Jesus' time. For a Jew to travel north, you read the New Testament, Jesus went north to a place called Capernaum. The quickest way there is through Samaria. But a good Jew wouldn't go that direction. He wouldn't go through Samaria. He'd go around. He would take the time and the effort and the extra miles walking to go around Samaria just because I hate those people. Can't stand them. Jesus was a good Jew. Did he go around Samaria? Actually, you read the Gospel of John. Jesus, he said, I got to go through Samaria. He met a woman, a Samaritan woman. His disciples were shocked. What are you talking to this lady, a Samaritan he shocked them. And what was Jesus doing? He was showing them a little bit of heaven on earth. A little bit of it. You know, I'm not going to hate this person just because they were born somewhere else or they got a different tradition or custom. Their accent's a little different from mine. They eat a different food, whatever. He's not going to hate them for those things. And he shocked his disciples that he would be talking to a Samaritan. Showing them heaven on earth. One day, Jesus was asked by an expert, an expert in all things Jewish. The Jewish law, it's called. Jesus was asked a simple question. How do I gain eternal life? 
Now, Jesus replied, and his reply was a heaven on earth story. And I want to read it. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, we're going to read verses 25 to 37. You got your Bible on your device, a paper Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we've got the words on the screen. This is Luke 10, 25 through 37. And it says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and when, when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to, happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, this is one of the best-known, most well-known parables of Jesus, almost universally called the parable of the Good Samaritan. The word Samaritan, it's come to mean a, a kind person. Back in Jesus' day, a Samaritan just meant someone we hated to the Jew. But now it's, it's, it's become a word of a kind person, a person helpful to another in need. Many organizations, if you get out to your mapper, you know, and just type in Samaritan, you'll probably get a half a dozen organizations that have the word Samaritan in their name. Many of them have their, uh, the word Samaritan in their name. Uh, Samaritan houses, S Samaritan food pantry. We have Samaritan's purse. A, a lot of organizations have taken that it's because this is what the words come to be known because of this story, a parable. And a, and a parable is, it's, it's a story. You know, it wasn't about any real people. Jesus was using it to make ex an example, to teach a lesson. And because of that, now this word has taken on a, a whole different connotation. Somebody who would help and uh, another in need. And, I, and I've read a lot of commentary about this good Samaritan, who he was, why he was traveling on the road, uh, 
What, what was going on in his mind as he approached the poor and beaten, broken man? Lots of commentary tell you who the Samaritan was, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know. Sometimes I think maybe it's, maybe it's a little too far because it's a parable after all. It's, it's a story. And it was a story to answer a question. The question was posed. And Jesus just, he told a story. It's not an actual event. There, wasn't an, there, there was not an actual person called this, the Good Samaritan. And, and please do not get me wrong. I'm not saying let's not be kind. Let's not be helpful. We should take to heart the example there and uh, be kind and helpful to another in need. That, that's certainly a lesson we can take away. But Jesus was making a far more important and greater point to this man, this expert in the law, who posed the question. And that man's not just a made-up character. The expert in the law was a real guy. He was a real man. And he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And this was an expert in the law. The guy knew all the Jewish religious law. And specifically, that's the five books that in the Old Testament, the first five books of, of the section of the Bible we call the Old Testament, they called it the law. And this expert, he had a motive when he came to Jesus. Uh, what, what did this guy, what, you know, the, the expert comes, he's thinking, what does this Galilean son of a carpenter know of the scriptures? I, I, I'm going to test him out. So he asks, how do you inherit eternal life? And I love Jesus the way he replies. I love Jesus' answers so many times because he doesn't give an answer. He asks another question. Well, you're the expert in the scriptures. How, do, how does it read to you? Well, the man gives him the answer. And he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6 that we read this morning. Love the Lord with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. And then he quotes from another Old Testament book there in the first five, Leviticus chapter 19. Verse 18, love your neighbor as yourself. Great answer. Jesus is like, right on. You got it. Do it and live. The, the interaction could have ended right there. Oh, the, guy, the guy got his answer. That was the question he asked. But then this expert, he, I, you know, I wasn't there, but it seems to me he blurts out another question. He just blurts it out. And who's my neighbor? See, the, the gospel informs us in that split second, the man's motive changed. No longer is he desiring to test Jesus. No, it says he wanted to justify himself. And, and what does that mean? Well, I, I, I think it means he had a definition of neighbor. And, and I suppose for a split second, you know, this expert might have thought about his real life application. How do I apply what I just quoted? I just quoted, love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord, eh, that didn't seem to be an issue to him. You know, he could check that box off. I love the Lord, that's good. But loving the neighbor, perhaps the man was thinking, well, that, it, it just can't mean anyone, right? A neighbor is someone like me. A neighbor is a person in my circle, a person I associate with. I love them, of course. And, and even if I got to love someone who's outside of my circle, maybe someone of a lesser social status, whatever, 
well, it's, it's got to be a Jew. I don't know, it, it seems to me that that might, that might have just like in that split second gone through the guy's mind because it says he wanted to justify himself. Jesus had just agreed with his reading of scripture. You got it, man, you got it. Do that and live. But then he asked the question. And now Jesus answers with a story. A man on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. People knew that road. Well, it's like 18 miles. It's a long journey. Yeah, the possibility you could get beat up and robbed, it existed. And so Jesus isn't making up some crazy tale. It, it's, it's plausible. And, and he says a man was on the road. He gives no qualifier. He doesn't say it's a Gentile man. He doesn't say it's a Samaritan. It, it, it's understood. Jesus is talking about a fellow Jew. Otherwise, he, he would have used the qualifier. He used it later to, to, uh, to introduce the Samaritan. So a man's on the road, a Jewish man, he's on the road, and he gets beat up. He is stripped. He's stripped naked. He's beaten. He's left for half dead. He's robbed. And Jesus said a priest happens by. A priest in the Jewish culture was respected, revered. I mean, this was the man who was the intermediary between you and God. So the priest, highly exalted. Yeah, the priest should stop, right? No, Jesus said he, he saw the man, walked on by, consciously made the effort to go around him. And then in Jesus' story, the next person that happens by is a Levite. Where's, who's a Levite? What's a Levite? They're just next in the hierarchy. They're just uh, below the priest. The Levites helped in the temple. They helped the priests. They were assistants, revered too, honored. Yeah, the Levite will stop. No, not in Jesus' story. No, he saw the man consciously made an effort to go around him. Jesus painted a picture here of Jewish leadership. He often referred to these leaders as hypocrites. They preached, they didn't apply it. They preached, they didn't practice it. Hypocrites who wouldn't stop to help an injured brother. He's probably not exaggerating. He called them hypocrites quite often. Next, Jesus introduces another character. He says it's a Samaritan. Now, I doubt, I doubt the experts saw this coming. Huh? Samaritan? Well, he'll walk by. He's hated. We hate them. They're hated. They're scorned. Surely the Samaritan's going to go on by too. But not in Jesus' story. No, not in his telling of this story. The Samaritan had compassion. He didn't pass by. He stopped. He assisted. A, a, a Samaritan could rightly say, the Jews hate me. I'm not going to stop and help a Jew. They reject me. I'll reject them. Again, not in Jesus' story. The Samaritan put aside self-interest. He ventured into danger. Could have been robbed too. But he tended to the hurt man tended to his wounds, put him up in a room, spent the night. He incurred expenses from his own resources. He said, take care of this guy when I come back. And if anything, if you need any more, I'll pay. You know, then it was that Jesus posed a question. Which one of the three was his neighbor? The neighbor of this guy who fell among the robbers. The expert, he couldn't deny it, could he? There is only one answer, 
And it wasn't the men who shared the ethnic uh, ties with the beaten guy. It wasn't the fellow Jews. No, they hypocritically passed by. Who was the fallen man's neighbor? And the only answer is, his neighbor is the one who showed him mercy. Happened to be a different culture. Happened to be different traditions, different religious worship. But he was the neighbor. It's the only answer, the one who showed him mercy. The expert seemed to have an application of law with some narrow definition of neighbor. He wanted to justify himself. He wanted to justify not his love. He didn't want to justify his love for others. No, 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 no. He wanted to justify his hate. He wanted to justify his rejection. Yeah, I've got these people, but I want to justify that I'm leaving these others out. And and that's not unusual in human nature. We want to justify all kinds of bad things that we do. This man had racial hatred. The expert's definition of neighbor, it's only a Jew. And, and we see that. We see that in the way that Jesus brought the story. The expert, he loved some. Yeah, but he hated others. And, and we know that. We know that because he was a real person. He had human nature. And, and that's our human nature. Our human nature, it, it, it says... You know, a neighbor is someone who looks like me, sounds like me. They cook the same kind of food. They dress the same way. They have the same traditions, all that. That's my neighbor. The expert thought, he thought the same. But after the parable that Jesus told, we don't hear anything from the expert. The expert's silenced. And, and I, I, I can only think that he could only see himself as destitute, a sinner. He's got that evil intention in his heart to reject others just because of the place they were born. Sinner, and you know, the word of God tells us the sting of death is sin. This man asked, how can I obtain eternal life? And he knew, he knew right then and there, he had no hold on the title to eternal life. No, he, he, he knew the law. He understood the law. And, and the law, when it's rightly understood, it gives the knowledge of sin. But now it's clear to this guy. And, and this is the lesson in Jesus' story. The expert thought, ah, I'm justified to stand before God and I can say I love my neighbor. I should inherit eternal life. But, but he, was, he was fallen man. He was fallen man. And a, a, a sinner. And it's, it's like all of us. We've, we've all fallen to that same sin nature that this man had fallen to. And it is not life. It's sin and it's death. No, we are, we are all fallen. Like, like the, the guy on the side of the road. And we're falling into the hands of a much crueler enemy than the robbers on the roadside. You know, we've been stripped of 
every garment of righteousness that we could bear before Almighty God and justify ourselves. And we're naked in our own self-righteousness. We're lying wounded by hypocrisy, justifying evil, hatred. In a word, sin, the sting of death. You know, if we feel that sting in ourselves, how aptly might this image of what's called the Good Samaritan apply to us? This image of the Good Samaritan, let it remind us of a more compassionate, a much more compassionate neighbor than the Samaritan. And that's Jesus. He is the friend of sinners. Uh, He's the one who spoke this parable. And in his love, in his love, he has far outdone what the Samaritan did. Because Jesus sees us. You know, he sees us in our own self-righteousness, in our own justification. He sees us, but he doesn't pass by to each one of us who are fallen in our sin, justifying our unrighteousness. Jesus sees that and he sees our suffering and he sees it as the sting of death. And what does he do? He offers compassion and he offers an invitation to eternal life. He came into this world for that very purpose. He did. When we were lost in our sin, when we had received wounds of our own doing, Jesus not only ventured some danger and he incurred some trouble and he incurred some expense to rescue us from destruction, destruction that we justly deserved, by the way. Jesus put aside the glory of heaven and he humbled himself. He humbled himself to come onto this earth. He humbled himself to death on a cross to receive our just punishment and to lift us, and to exalt us. And he endured the most excruciating of tortures. By his stripes we might be healed from the sting of death, which is sin, and then live through him and live eternally. It is beyond all parallel. It's beyond all parallel that God magnifies his love towards us in that while we were sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, what encouragement is that? What more encouragement could you have this morning? That we, we, when we're like this man who sought to justify himself, instead of justifying ourselves, that we become convinced of our sin and we look to Jesus Christ alone for justification and receive his righteousness that we might stand before almighty God righteous because of Christ, because of Jesus. I mean, that is an amazing thing. Sin robs us. It robs us and it leaves us. It leaves us wounded and bleeding on the road of life and no pleas of our own justification, justification is ever going to restore us to life. I, I cannot say, you know, God, look at what I've done. Look at, look at what I've done. And it's amazing. Because when I say that, I'm actually justifying what I didn't do. I say I did something good. There's something, there's something evil. I'm, I'm, I don't want to be seen. You know, like that guy who is saying, I want to justify who's my neighbor. 
because there was a group of people he just couldn't stand. No plea of our justification will ever restore us to eternal life. We're restored only by faith in the healing and the salvation of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, that he offered by his own sufferings and his own death on our behalf. Jesus received the justice that we deserve for our self-righteousness. And Jesus is the one and only true Samaritan. And when we receive his compassion and his love and the forgiveness that he won, and the true justification. Oh, it's then and only then that we can begin to see others through the eyes of Christ and through the, uh, the heart of Christ and see their real need. And we can lay down that hatred. We can lay down that exclusion of others. We can put aside hell on earth and we can start to live out a little bit of heaven on earth and see others through the eyes of the true Samaritan, Jesus Christ. His, his eyes of love and his compassion. And see the need. See the need for every soul that needs eternal life. No matter where they were born, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they sound like or look like. Just seeing that they are lost and they're a wounded soul in need of the very same mercy that we received. He is, Jesus is the only solution. He's absolutely the only solution. Now, I know many of you have received that mercy, and you get it. And I don't know, some of you, maybe not. Yeah, you might even think, you know, I'm an expert in, in a lot of this. But are you like that expert in the law? Yeah, I love the Lord with all my heart and soul. <laughs> I don't know, applying that neighbor thing. Being Christ-like. Ah, do you need his mercy? Do you need his salvation? I want to pray as we leave this morning. If you would stand on your feet as we close our service. If there's anyone here, anyone, if, if you haven't received the mercy that's offered by Christ, if you think, oh yeah, I'm living a good life. I'm good. I'm good. God will accept me. Think about this expert. Yeah, he cared for a certain group of people. He was, he, he was a smart guy, understood lots of what God expected and desired, but yet he had his, his version of applying it. And Jesus said, mm -mm, it's way more than that. You know, mercy for everyone is the mercy of Christ. And, and if you haven't received it, if you don't really realize he is the only one who can stand before you on, on judgment day. And, and, and because of that, you can be declared righteous. You've got to receive what he has done. Receive that he took on the penalty we deserved. I, I just want to pray with you this morning if, if that's you. And, and let's pr pray as we close our service. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the example of the true Samaritan. We thank you, God, for the heart of Christ. We thank you for his example. It doesn't matter who a person is, where they're from. They need mercy, your mercy. We who've received it, God, help us to be that example. Help us to truly welcome others, see others, see them through the eyes of our Savior. And Father, if there's anyone in this, in this room, in this sanctuary, or joining us online, 
They've never really truly received your sacrifice for their life. They just didn't really understand. It's not about how good I am. It's about what Jesus has done for perfection. There's no way I can be perfect, God. Whatever I call righteous, there's still a blemish. There's still something wrong. I need the mercy of my Savior and my Lord who who paid it all. God, I just pray, if there's any heart receiving that right now, Lord, that you would be true to them, you'd be real to them, you'd be that true Samaritan, your mercy would be tangible. Lord, and they would turn their life away from uh, what they were doing and lay down anything, any animosity, whatever, towards another or anything that might be justified in their life that just is wrong and put it down because Jesus paid it all. Lord, I just thank you for that. I pray that blessing on every single person here. Keep us, Lord. Watch us, carry us through today, the rest of the week. Bring us back, Father, to worship you again. And I ask it all in the name of our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.